1: Alrighty guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast, this one's kind of pretty timely and topical. So, as of recording this episode, uh, Wizards of the Coast has just announced new guidelines for set legality. Yes. As in, hey, you got the cards in your hand, as long as it's past the pre-release, guess what? You can play them! Yep. Uh, So, beginning on February 3rd, and starting with Phyrexia All Will Be One... You have them, you can play them. Yes. We're going to tell you why that's dog shit.
0: Oh, God. It is really fucking obnoxious. Let's
1: it's so obnoxious. obnoxious. Um,
0: so as a vendor, if I just have a warehouse and a website, I don't care. I don't. This affects me zero. Because there's nothing in here that says I can ship my cards to you. Any earlier than the pre-release date. This article is also bereft of some detail. Like, is the midnight pre-release on Friday the point of legality for these cards? So that events can be start being held on Saturday and Sunday with these cards. They say they're going to al- align to Arena, and Arena just goes. Same with Moto. So, until they change my street date as a vendor with a warehouse and website, I don't care. Nothing changes. However, there are other options for me. Like if I'm a vendor with a warehouse and a website and a storefront, now I have to allocate people to cracking and making these singles available for in store purchase and pickup, which isn't that much different than what we were doing before. But now we have to place it in-store ready for purchase. It's got to be good to go. All of our windows move up a little bit. It moves up about a week from where it would be normally. And it also changes how we approach buying and selling in-store. It could mean a lot more sour people because we are currently cracking as they are trying to sell, and people dislike being told the price of their cards on release weekend pre release weekend yeah. as you are preparing to open. So it's a and little if you're more already
1: doubt. opening, mm-hmm. it's even worse.
0: Yeah. I assume that experience is a little more akin to what you're going to get at the LGS and we can circle back to the third type of vendor option later. Cause it's a little more unique than the LGS experience.
1: Yeah. The LGS experience, this is just awful. Um, I obviously pre-selling sealed is one of the ways you cover your load on pre-releases, uh, selling through that product. Now I may not sell through the product as much because And the interesting thing to me about this announcement, because you're right, it doesn't say you can ship the stuff. But if there was no chance whatsoever that you could ship it, that this was something that was just to benefit the LGS, I would think they would put it in this announcement. Because you know what there's been a lot of publicity about lately? How bad Wizards of the Coast has been for the LGS. Wouldn't you want to throw a bone out there and just help them out? Now, the other thing about this is... For an LGS, if you're that top LGS in your area, this is great. You can afford to open the product ahead of time, anyways. Uh, you get it a couple days prior to pre release. You're not picking it up the day of pre release anymore, unless you're one of the more hand to mouth stores. If you're a high level account, you're one of the more accomplished LGSs in the area. Guess what? You get to pick your stuff up a couple days early, anyways. Well, that puts you at a distinct advantage over the other lgs's in the area not to mention like you said if you're a vendor with a storefront or you know what if you're a vendor like star city that runs events like large pre-releases this is insane this this is so bad for the lgs because of companies like star city which for example we were just looking at the new cons that were announced in february there is a Phyrexia all will be one pre-release at a star city cop now if i'm an lgs that's in a four hour vicinity of indianapolis well my players may just end up going to scg because you know who's going to have way more product to open who's going to have way more people there and who's going to have way better prizes star city well
0: beyond that who can guarantee that my
1: pre-order copies will be on prem they sure will so i can order my singles from star city get them delivered boom guess what they're in my hands now they're legal they didn't ship those they carted them over from roanoke and then companies like that have a larger market share a large enough market share that at times they can dictate prices during pre-releases and this is something we run into in sick deals all the time prices are much more prone to manipulation Well, if they're more prone to manipulation, someone with more purchasing power has more leverage there. And while Ben is a great dude, and I don't necessarily think they'd do anything to screw an LGS, other companies might. And Star City isn't the only company that has that amount of purchasing power. So now, as an LGS, when I am planning my pre-release, I have to decide, am I going to budget as much product as I did before to this pre-release? Or... Am I going to budget some of it to cracking for singles, which is an LGS? I kind of had to crack maybe a case anyways for singles because I have to have the singles for people if they want them. I don't need all of them, but I need some. Mm -hmm. Now, do I have to pay more for my cards at pre-release because they're legal? I can turn them faster. Yes. Or am I paying less? And this is all stuff that is a big vendor. You just pay less because what are they going to do? You have more money, so they can sell to you mass. As yeah. an LGS, sometimes you have to say no to a buy.
0: Oh, yeah. I Even as a vendor, I say no to buys at pre release oh, yeah. all the time. Uh, I, I don't know if I've told the story anecdotally at the... Not Brothers War. Dominary United pre-release. I had a player open the Altart Karn promo. And they came to sell it to me, and they asked how much. And I'd been buying... The regular one for three dollars all day, yeah. And that one was also three dollars. And I just pushed. I said, "You don't want to know because these are all priced like we're going to be opening them next week, which we yep. will be." And they're like, "Oh, just give me the price anyway." And they're like, "Ah, eh, that's fair." And then, <laughs> like what? And then, and then walked because it is kind of insulting to have to do that to people when you know your release is coming up as a vendor, when you know you're opening by the pallet. You know, not the case, and it is difficult for us in those scenarios too. It happens at events sometimes uh, with awkward. It used to happen with awkward timing, where Conspiracy Two was available for purchase, but vendors couldn't open for like another week, so we had to push on like Ghostly Prison or Propaganda and Inquisition of Kozilek all weekend long. We just had to push those back because they're uncommons and we're just going to crack infinite. We don't need to spend even quarters on them when the ROI on our cases is going to be like fractions of a cent. It is difficult. Yeah. But you you brought up Star City and the OP ecosystem. For a vendor, that is kind of the third avenue which is Impacts. And it is preparing for these events now. If I'm going to that Star City event. And I'd signed on months ago for February 2nd through 3rd. I knew what the format of the event was going to be. I knew that I had no business dealing with singles ahead of time. My show lead, eventually, in the next couple of weeks or months, would have started to get things in order and everything would be fine. Now this announcement comes out and we have to figure out what the fuck we're going to do are we going to take pre-orders on site and then ship them quote-unquote to the show yeah. like we are star city like we can do that star city is at least moving equipment and personnel so they're trucking they're not necessarily flying everything other yeah. i don't i don't know if i can send personnel with orders for people okay so that reduces the reason for us to crack and worry about it all right things are legal that weekend do we want to use our pre-order numbers to determine what we need to crack inflated by a percentage to determine what we're going to need to bring with us to put in the case? Right now, everybody's turning their noses at Koth. They've been doing that since the the spoiling. But what happens if Koth, between now and pre-release, turns out to be the hottest card in the set? Yeah. Can we even afford to send any to that event to put in the case are they better on the website and now we have to juggle all these kind of logistical issues about where our stock is best kept for that weekend do we just let star city do it it's their event it's their captive audience they can deal with the standard cards or do we want to try and make that splash that impact and just have them there and it's a very difficult series of conversations to have to rationalize and then to actually fire on and stick with. And it's something you could experiment with as a vendor, absolutely. But it's always going to factor into every single event now that is scheduled at or around a pre-release. Because if this one does well, and it just so happens, you know, this announcement came well after Star City picked everything. Yeah, this is serendipitous. It's not really coincidental. And I would expect that more of this might happen. This does bring back that large regional feeling for pre-releases like there used to be. And maybe this becomes the roadshow now for a pre-release. Yeah. Okay, well, what does our kit look like for that? I don't know. Now we have to create a new, you know, not necessarily rule set, but like a new set of guidelines for these kinds of events. This is what we need to bring. This is how we have to bring it. It you know, it comes it goes in pallet shipped, it comes out broken. Maybe that's what we've got to do. We don't fly with prices on cards because if TSA or Customs opens anything, yeah you start getting charged. So can we fly with sealed? Do we like we have to open it on prem? What are the rules that you are gonna tell us about this kind of stuff? There's a lot that goes into this for this third aspect of a uh, as a vendor. And I can imagine between now and February, a lot of this will be felt out. But there's a really good chance, really good chance, that anybody who has the ability to serve uh, product that they've opened because they brought it won't, yep. because the logistics behind it are really, really difficult right now. And they might just want to see how Sarsity and some of the other like vendors that are within driving distance handle this kind mm-hmm. of thing be- before fly-in vendors attempt. It's it's
1: something that it doesn't seem malicious in any way that they're doing this. It seems like it's well intended. Yeah, and I think that makes it worse. I think it makes it really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Like for for an LGS, I feel like it makes it much worse because it's it's like literally. All right, well, we're gonna you know everyone. Like, I think in the article they cited uh, over the years, there's been a lot of people frustrated with the fact that they can't use their cards. Who? Yeah, I don't understand. Who can't wait a week? What? Players receiving cards and not being able to play them in sanctioned events until a week later. Man, do you know how many Pro Tours they've had on pre-release weekends? Like, three. You know how terrible that's
0: going to be? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there was, I think there was one pro tour where like where like a CFB team made it to the event, but their mule was going to be days late, so they like were in a mad dash for for cards while their mule was on the way. Like it's this weird anecdotal story that um, either LSV or maybe Josh McLean tells. Yeah, about one of the pro tours like that. Yeah, I don't. That that also makes no sense to me. That people just can't wait to play F and with their new cards they want to play with them on monday like
1: that cool i guess just go to edh play them there play with your friends i i I, and maybe it's because i don't associate with many new players uh because i haven't seen many new players around there's that but even even though we're growing players by leaps and bounds which we probably are in edh i don't know about 60 card formats uh blake i feel for you you have probably the hardest job at watsi even more so than marrow there i said it uh because your job sucks the company you work for sucks who told you to say that who's frustrated by this who said this is a good idea i didn't even count how many exclamation points there are in this but i see at least four at the end at the end of paragraphs in this article that's too many i i it's mind-boggling that this, this was their decision. But, you know, I, I will beat that horse to death. The sky is falling. Yeah. Magic is dying. Hasbro printed too many cards, even though there's no evidence of it. The one thing that, that this makes me think of, and I, I hate
0: every moment of it because it is a slant against the LGS, 100%, is that between Midnight Friday and FNM, if you don't order your cards from TCG player or anybody who will ship who will ship you yeah. your cards between midnight pre-release and FNM to get to you, you know. So let's say you're you overnight. Them. If you don't do that, you won't have the new tech for FNM unless your LGS had it for you or you were able to trade for it still a difficult proposition when everybody's looking for 4x of whatever it is it doesn't matter right yeah and it creates the idea of rarity and a metagame that richard garfield wanted which was that not everybody can own every copy of a card so every place is going to be different but that like i said is kind of a slight against the lgs Because if the LGS doesn't have it, then I'm still just going to order it from somewhere else. Right. Because I have the ability to have the card I need or the card I want. It is this weird, like... It's not even, like, giving with one hand and taking with another. I think I might be reading into it way too much, and people can feel free to tell me I am, but it it just kind of seems that way, that, like, you're putting the enjoyment of a 60-card format at the foothold of the LGS. And if the LGS cannot serve, then you're letting your players down, and there's no reason to have made this announcement anyway. Yeah. Not every LGS is super games, you know? Like, not every LGS is connected to a vendor warehouse.
1: Yeah. Not not every... LGS has the luxury of being able to open a bunch of product knowing they may only sell 20 to 30% of it. Yeah. I, I just, I, and, and it's the, the interesting thing too, to me about this is that it's been open secret, you know, Ben's tweeted about it. Cast tweeted about everyone has tweeted about, Hey, look, when we're cracking for stuff, we're opening set boosters. You know what it actually sells in a store set boosters. Yeah, it's the same. You product. know what doesn't do anything in a store? Draft, draft boosters. Yeah, because they're the dedicated they're they're the
0: dedicated product that you need for those midweek drafts and that's it.
1: So what do I just eat into my set booster that I can actually sell to crack to get enough of this stuff or I open the draft boosters which are probably rotting and I don't even want to order most of the time yep. because those events aren't firing. I, it it is mind boggling to yeah, me.
0: It is there's at every stage except the vendor who has a warehouse and a website, this is a logistical nightmare yeah. for people. And eventually it'll <laughs> shake out for everyone. They'll figure it out they'll figure it out, but it just like seemed to come at from nowhere. Because to yeah. your point, who cares? EDH players can just play what they want at yeah. any point in time. Like I open this on Saturday morning in my pre-release I'm going to play it in my commander pod later in the day cool Yeah. what's the problem nothing you can't sanction any event anyway through companion because it's all just regular REL I mean technically it's sanctioned as long as there aren't proxies it's got a 1x multiplier who cares you don't need to judge for shit anymore nope not section. even an RCQ. Yeah. Like, so what does it matter? If this is this is just kind of like born out of convenience to patch up an update cycle. It's like Yeah. Like now now the entire magic ecosystem is on the same update cycle because they wanted digital to be cooler for a while. And then they realized that wasn't the place to be, so instead of rolling digital back a week and asking people to play in paper For a hot six or seven days, now you got to do it on Arena, or sorry, now 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 you got to move the paper date back. Like that's the other thing is they could have done they could have gone the other way and just shoved and said you can draft and play sealed all you want between days X and Y on Arena, and that is parallel to the real world when the release of a set happens, and then constructed kicks on, and you can play all those cards like why didn't they go the other way with this one? Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mate, it's not like you can play commander on arena yet. You know, they're not going to yet. Uh, you can only do that on Moto, and it's not like Moto has all the cards anyway or a working copy of most of the cards anyway.
1: So what are you trying to align with? This is they they Yeah. You... I it, it just seems like someone said Hey, you know what? Nah, we've gotten a lot of flack for screwing the LGS. Let's just put a fork in them.
0: Uh, this Yeah, it's... I think this is just mental load-bearing for the LGS. You gotta figure out how the hell this really impacts. Like, yeah, absolutely. If you're the smaller LGS, you're gonna get mushed by the larger one who can afford to crack. Like, it is... I think that is a very dangerous aspect to this. Yeah. It really is. And the roadshow for... um, larger regionals yeah absolutely has the opportunity to, to muck with some people it's just a weird announcement and i didn't see anybody who seemed very happy about it to what your to your point it just seems just like a lot of okay and yeah just sure good job
1: guys i guess
0: yeah i didn't know i wanted this but now i have it yeah i still don't know if i want it but again i've got it yeah I'm interesting to see if I ever get back to working events how that's going to line up. Yeah. Being like just a, a hired gun how everybody's going to handle it because I can imagine already a number of different people that I work for and their immediate responses to this and yeah. I think more more that I want to believe are just kind of thinking about like eh fuck it who cares.
1: Like, Deal with it later.
0: Yeah exactly. Let the host have it. Yeah. The host gets the, the, the best location in the room, per their thoughts. Yep. The host gets everything. They can be the one to deal with this bullshit. Congrats, guys.
1: Exactly. Congrats. Exactly. All right. Ready to move on to picks? Let's do it. I'm going to go first. Yep. All right. So mine... Started from an interest in the OP announcement that we're getting more modern events whatever and I was like alright let's take a look at the metagame there's that deck I hate I fucking hate this deck but that's because I love Jund and Jund has a terrible matchup with this deck uh, and that deck is Amulet Type. the card you were asking well uh, it was recently taken off the list which was one of the reasons I've had my eye on it and that card is the regular base version of Urza's Saga from Modern Horizons 2. So, uh, we were digging into the analytics a little bit before we started recording, and there were some very interesting data points we found out. So, starting since October 13th, there have been a total of 1,400 copies of this card sold. Now, currently, across all conditions, there are 731 copies on TCG Player. Now, the most interesting thing about this is that in the last four days, so since the 16th till now when we're recording this episode on the 21st of December, of those 1,400 copies, 300 of them sold in the last four days. So this card's been taken off the list. We've hit the point where some distributors are now out of Modern Horizons 2, so there's not a ton of this stuff laying around anymore. Uh, The sets that this was on the list on were largely okay Mm -hmm. production-wise because most of them came out post-COVID when we had manufacturing back to where it needed to be for cardboard. Uh, This is something that is fairly well-positioned. If you take a look at uh, Meta.io, Amulet Titan actually has the best win rate in the format right now. It is also a deck that, to use, I think, an appropriate term, has the hardest, excuse me, hardest simps in magic. They love Urza's Saga. They love Amulet Titan. It's their favorite deck, Mm -hmm. and they will always play it no matter what. So there's an audience for this card. Now, in terms of turnaround, this is where I think things get a little bit dicey. So if you look at the stocks graph, and we start at about October 30th and scroll over, you'll see that this price point is real steady. Okay, so if it's been real steady while two-thirds of the copies listed have sold. That tells me that timeline-wise may not be very long, actually. Now, granted, it's still the holidays. Yes. We're still waiting to get into tax season. Yep. We still have to wait for, I believe it's going to be Dallas in February is the next regional championship or whatever, and it'll be a little bit after that. Yeah. yeah. So I would expect we may be able to get in for the next month and a half to two months tops. Mm -hmm. Copy-wise, well, unfortunately, this is not really an EDH card. This is a 60-card format card. So, price barrier is a little bit higher, but we want to be buying in multiples of four. Now, to make it really worth your while, I would say get between eight to 16 copies. That's a few decks worth. Mm -hmm. So, you can go to your events, you can trade them out, you can go to your lgs partner with them see if they need any and you can certainly hold them to buy list now right now our low is sitting around i think 26 dollars, which is actually pretty good yeah uh that means realistically if you're just not straight buying them from card kingdom which obviously you can uh you're probably looking at about 20 to 25 or sorry 20 to 22 dollars is what you're probably going to get into them if you're trading for them straight across. Uh, you know, I'm assuming you didn't pay full retail for all the cards in your trade binder, that some of those came through packs or whatever else. Cool. Uh, that is what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm doing this, again, we're getting 8 to 16 copies reasonably i would expect to out these by trade a little bit earlier probably mid-february looking at about two months buy list maybe a little bit more now the reason for that is obviously it's buy list it's not going to catch up as quick uh we also have an interesting thing going on though to keep an eye on Card kingdom's buying for tcg low they are at this exact moment paying 24 dollars so it's technically $2 less than TCG low, but credit arbitrage is available now there, yep. at $3120. And the wild thing about this, they want 136 copies. This is not something that they're like low on. No. This is something they want. They're also paying more for list copies. Sure. But again, the list is gone. We don't have it anymore. So It may be a little bit quicker, Mm -hmm. but I still think we're going to see late February, early March is my guess, but I wouldn't be surprised. Pay attention to the buy lists because if this velocity keeps going, this card's going to dry up real quick and you'll notice buy lists turn on very fast for it because it is something that sure it's modern. It's still one of the more popular 60 card formats out there. I would say it's still probably more popular than pioneer because it's modern. So, Keep an eye out, but it was something that I'd been paying attention to, and we looked at the actual velocity before the episode. I was like, all right, we can't wait on this anymore. I'm going to go ahead and pick it now. Our window is much shorter than a lot of my picks, and even a lot of yours. So if you're going to do it, get in quick, and make sure you pay attention, because I don't think that this is going to be the kind of card that is going to have a long window. Mm Mm-hmm. Of opportunity, I think it's going to be as quick as our investment opportunity is not that it's a pump and dump because I don't think it is by any means because pump and dump to me implies more manipulation than following the actual market trend. I don't think this is a card that's being manipulated. I think this is even looking at the sales history on TCG. You can see it's not like someone bought 36 copies in an order or something. It's all a few copies here and there. It's people finishing out decks. Uh, I think it's way more likely, though, that this could be one of the better quick turnarounds you can have, which to me makes the slightly increased barrier of entry much more worth it because you're not parking, you know, $240 on 10 copies of this card or whatever for a year and a half. You're parking them for a couple months. Yeah.
0: Yep. Now, uh, I like it. When we were talking about this, we were like, okay, are we going to upcycle the pick or not? We hemmed and hawed and then we took a look at Vila and we were like, yeah, we absolutely have to because when we picked this originally, we didn't expect Modern to take the turn. It did in terms of format variety. It became a very stale format and eventually, you know, with the banning of, I think Luris followed and then uh, Yorion. Yorion, yeah. uh, And it kind of reset modern again. And while things look to be quote unquote solved, there are a number of good decks to be playing without a premier event. You're not getting all the same level of competitor that you would normally for a format like modern. And once yeah. we have that big push, then we should see, we should see the format straighten up a little bit and we will see possibly the return to form of hammer alongside this. Uh, we might see Tron pick up, and we might this see Amulet, card. yep, pick up, and all four of those decks use Saga
1: X four. Yep. And who knows what else people want to play with? Yeah, uh, I, we're getting a lot of artifacts because Phyrexia. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe there's a bunch of broken one drops that we just forgot to play test because we're wizards of the coast. Look, Skullclam, but there are a lot of iterations. Okay. Now, the one thing I do want to mention when you're talking
0: about timeline is that there's kind of an insulating factor around price. So if you do take a little longer to figure out, is this a card for you, et cetera, the Gaming Co. is anchoring this, like yeah. we talked about the last couple of weeks, with 269 copies near Mint at 37.99, And that is a, a far cry from where we are right now at low, but it runs to 40 plus very quickly from there. Yeah. with When you look at copies of, of uh, sorry, vendors with copies of four or more. So you've got some time to pick up on this if you want and figure out how you want to approach this. But absolutely, this is something that you can take a look at now and decide if you want to get in or get in on. And if even if you need your set to play, now's the time you're going to want to do it. Yeah, the same. You'll have the same window no matter what. So this could even just be a cost-saving technique. If you've waited this long to pick up your sagas... It's not going to be too long before they 1.5x, yeah. And from there, poss- possibly 2x from where we're we'll, from where we are right now. Overall, I like the pick. Uh, it, it serves as a reminder to me that I need to pick up my extra copies so I can have Hammer and I can have um, what I grind. Was it was a breach, something else, some other weird deck that I was trying to yeah, play.
1: breach. I think ran it for or Legacy breach did. Yeah. Um, yeah. R.I.P. Just yeah, two, two decks with Saga
0: side by side in the Gauntlet. Because I have, you know, some very nice proxies sitting next to me with the words Urza Saga written on them, which work out really, really they well. They could even be Time Spiral. Who that's knows? True, exactly. Well, they're on lands. So that's how I do my proxies. Um, Force of so Will on the same stack. I don't think this is the same deck. All right. One of them was a learn. The other one, I think, was when I was testing uh, Amulet. Hmm. Um, haha. And. How the turns have tabled, and I th- like I said, it, even then it serves as a reminder for people like this is a card you should pick up. This is a card you need to look at. Ancillarily, if there are people moving into modern and you want to start making like quick, li- quick little packages, you can take a look at the cards on uh, Nexus Saga as well. Yep. Because as this rises, it will bring a lot of the other ancillary cards alongside it with it. Those being yep. some of the core cards to Hammer, some of the core cards to Amulet, some of the core cards to Tron. So I think it's a, a great look and a great upcycle. For me, uh, I'm sticking with the, uh, I think, Commander Blue theme. Was I on Blue last week? I can't remember. What was my pick? Yeah, you were. I don't know. Okay. Either last week or the week before. You were All on right. Blue. We're going with a card that's been near and dear to my heart forever, but it's fucking terrible. And it is Archmage Ascension from yeah. Battle for Zendikar. This this so good with this card. This card is a fucking doozy. So I've got the stocks graph up now so you can try and figure out what this card is doing as I explain it to you. So it costs two and a blue for an enchantment. And like the other ascensions, it says at the beginning of each end step. Sorry. It has two. Uh, there's two things. There's two triggers. Yeah. One, the, the second one, which is ridiculous to put a second, is how you put counters on it. The first one is what happens when there are counters on it. So at the beginning of each end step, if you drew two or more cards this turn, you may put a quest counter on Archmage's Ascension, like all the other ones. As long as Archmage's Ascension has six or more quest counters on it, if you would draw a card, you may instead search your library for a card and put that card into your hand, then shuffle your library. So every draw spell just becomes a tutor for every card you draw. Yeah, yeah, imagine casting Brainstorm, and instead of casting Brainstorm, you resolve Demonic Tutor three times. That sounds delightful. And that is. Sign me up. Yeah, that's what Archmage, Archmage's Mage's Ascension is here to do. And while I was falling all over the text of that card, you'll notice that the stocks graph is basically a rope, and it just starts to just climb its little roller coaster hill, starting around I'd say Strixhaven. Officially, climbs, plateaus for a hot second, dips, and now we're on the second crest. So, what are we looking at with this card? Why do we care? Well. As far as Commander is concerned, this is seemingly split between slower decks that want to play as much magic as possible in one game and faster combo decks because it does exactly what it says. It appeals to players who want to draw cards and players who just want to find what they need at any at any given point in time because they want to play as much magic as possible. So they're going to cast Cyclonic Rift and pass the fucking turn. Like Psychopaths. No follow-up. Sorcery Speed. Or people who just want to thoracle you out of the game and have a backup plan with Mage's Ascension and just yeah. twiddle their thumbs until they get there. It happens. But that's it. That's the split. There's no mm-hmm. Venn diagram, it seems, for this card when you look no. at it from a commander standpoint. Okay. So, what's the financial driver? Well, the financial driver is that back in June, Card Kingdom was buying 45 copies for $1.35, and now they're buying 19 for $0.30. Cents. So, while the market is still floating... Card Kingdom is currently downtrending on the buy list, so it looks absolutely rancid. TCG player market, oddly enough though, has been flat basically ever since. That's the plateau we're looking at, and that's where we are. That's why we're here. That's what, this is where we want to be. Card Kingdom's not selling this card. Commander players don't see don't see this as an interesting card to play, and I'll get to that in a minute. They're wrong, but. I find it interesting that from a strategy standpoint, it's a polarizing card. There's no overlap. You either want to play a long game with a deck helmed by, like, Alando the Seer, uh, a Temzis All-Seeing, Nezahal T- Primal Tide, these big, goofy generals that do nothing, or you combo kill with a zombie lady of Scrolls and Queen the Interrit Meddler. That's the Azor Rabbit. Like, so... Yeah. While divisive and that's something I look for in cards and their popularity in the format, I'm not terribly concerned about it because this is the self-reporting section of players that are really looking into, into this card. And it's not that relevant to them. And this is like the fourth time I've said that because I think this is an Invisibles card. This is 100% an Invisibles card. Sales records show that this is being bought one copy at a time, so, it is selling to invisible commander players. They're not self reporting. It's not those kind of people. And while I can't say with certainty what strategies this is being employed into the kitchen table level, I feel confident in saying that it'll be in the longer game kind of builds and possibly that missing piece of like the mid game build decks. Yeah. Like what we're missing for that, that's the invisibles. They're playing it to the mid game. I believe this is truly just happening below the surface and that means it's most likely being extracted from binders where this exists bulk bins where this exists once a lot of those avenues dry up we'll start to see it actually start to drive up financially again now regardless of who's playing this the fact remains that this card isn't overpowering it just gets the job done it can do everything from finding your answers to ending the game, and that flexibility and utility cannot be overstated. Non-threatening is super key. Now, it does take some time to stack up and turn on, and how you want to do that is also emblematic of the strategy being employed. Slower decks will rely on a few number of activated abilities to do this, from, like, Temple Bell and, like, shit like that, where you're just tapping widgets and wadgets to draw cards... Well, combo strategies will look for huge redundancy with untapped pieces for their tap-activated abilities, mana sinks that draw cards, and then a slew of cantrips. It's just backups to backups to backups just to ensure that if they have to go the Arc Mage Ascension's route, they can just turn it on in a turn cycle and a half. Pretty good. Yep. Yeah. As far as a timeline on this is concerned, you know, going back to the point about Card Kingdom now buying this for a, a quarter of what they were... I think we're actually looking to move this card in trade for for the time being because it's not moving at a high velocity. Invisibles don't always buy from vendors. They don't always buy from TCG player. But they do show up to LGSs. We talk about them all the time at the LGS level. All the time. Sometimes they are the people that just walk in, throw down 120, and walk out with that set booster, the draft booster box, Mm -hmm. and then come back the next set and you don't see them again between. Sometimes they come into every Commander night, and they just trade out of their 3-inch D-ring binder. Yeah. God, I hate those. What makes this worthwhile to pick up now is the stepwise pricing that we see on TCG Player, where it goes from $2 to $3 within a few listings, then runs up to $4 within a page of listings, is really attractive to us, because we can get in at like bargain basement prices, basically, essentially. Yeah. And if we move in now, we should be able to get ahead of the market price trend as it is turning back up and move out and trade at a profit in pretty short order. So I'd say sometime within the next month or two, you'll be able to get out at a profit, even though small. Yeah. Now, reprint equity on this <clears throat> is kind of interesting because alongside the Black Ascension, which is Blood Chiefs Ascension, this is the only one of the cycle to not get a proper reprint yet. Beastmasters. Ascension has been in several years' worth of Commander product, and I'm talking like four or five. Yeah, Monarch Ascension, the White Ascension was in M25, a core set. Pyromancer's Ascension was in Modern Masters 2, and the Chandra Spellbook. So I would consider Modern Masters 2 more of the realistic reprint than the Chandra Spellbook. So, as this card overall does not play well in draft product. I don't expect it to be there, obviously. And I do not believe this is an effect that Watsi would place in a commander product as it's hard to balance around and ensure you could trigger. I think the opportune time was when they thought putting Windfall was a good idea in commander pre-cons and we're no longer there. Because I believe the only way we'll see it reprinted is like Blood Chief's Ascension on the list. Or some similarly narrow product. Some insert yeah. product. I think we're kind of insulated here. As far as quantity is concerned, because we're looking to move these and trade for the medium to long term, I do not think going past two play sets is where you want to be. Currently, I have my set from playing back in Zendikar, so I'd be picking
1: up an additional two sets to trade out. Like, And... I... I think the really interesting thing about this here is when, when you mentioned reprint equity, and I think this is very important, uh, what we've seen historically, because I think you're right, the place we're most likely to see this is really just the list. None of the list printings have been at enough quantity to really make a meaningful impact on the price of the card.
0: No, I think you would have to look at... I mean, the obvious parallel, because like I said, is Blood Chief's Ascension... Yeah. Um but the problem with that is
1: it's just too good. Like Yeah. I it's 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 a two card kill. Yeah. Because right? it, it kills with Sanguine or costs, one of one of the part of that combo. It replaces another one. Yeah, Exquisite blood one, or sanguine, one, one or the mana. other.
0: At the beginning of each end step, if an opponent lost two or more life this turn, you may put a quest counter on Blood Chief's Ascension. Hootie Hoo. Whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, if uh, Ascension has three or more quest counters on it, you may have that player lose two life. If you do, you gain two life. Yeah. So all you have to do is mill one, yep. and then yeah, you pop off with the, the sang- essentially the Sanguine Bond combo. So it's it's it is a not a a reader. It is a redundant piece. Yet another. Yep in that combo and like, yeah, I'm sure if you, if you take a look at stocks, we see like it just jumps insanely and then comes back down to life. I'm sure the list has something to do with that, but the floor on it after the list reprinting is still so much higher than like that l- almost literal double up.
1: Yeah. I, and, and this is one that I, the templating on this one and balancing is so much harder than blood chief at blood chief. I could have seen a reprint at some point elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But the list made sense because of the power level, yeah, whereas with art Mage Ascension, the templating is really hard to do i uh, that's the thing that I think really sets it over for me is that the templating is much, much harder, yeah, and then you add in the fact that to me, I think you're right that this is an invisibles card because. It fits so well in, like, the 75% range. Yeah. Like, when when you're in... Not quite Battlecruiser, not Mm -hmm. quite CEDH, but basically there.
0: Yeah.
1: And that those, to me, are the cards that I feel like the Invisibles are much more likely to make use of and not report on. Because it's not like you have, at that point, anyone outside of your playgroup to really influence your play style, mm-hmm. you're not really reporting on EDH, right? You're not that self-reporting audience, just like you said. So I, I the fact that it hits at that seventy-five percent range means it hits the invisibles for sure, and it hits your self-reporters as they evolve as players. Yeah, I just really good.
0: Yeah, uh, I think we we will see this more pop up on Rec more over time, as the the generalist is getting to be pretty wide at this point without yeah. any kind of overlap. And like I said, that missing like mid game piece that I think that, that the invisibles kind of live in. And yeah. as that happens and more people see the card and they start seeing it associated with more and more, you know, generals throughout, this is just something that just, that gets swept up by, you know, the regular player. Yeah. And whether people choose to pick it up or not or understand the the power of it is to be seen. But this just stands as a card that right now you can pick up and move in trade pretty, yeah. po- pretty positively in pretty short order. Like, the other thing that I was surprised when I saw this, and I, I talked about the idea of playing as much magic as possible. I don't mean in the kind of way where I actually play this card in commander. Um, I have two decks that I don't like playing anymore because they go too long. Crash the Bloodbraid. It's just junk out. It's Jund. Yep. It is 50% Jund. That's it. What's your man- what's your your matchup percentage at any point in time? 50%. That's the joke. It is boomer Jund. Yep. And it is a very long game. The other is Dromart. It is a very long game deck. Yep. At one point in time, the card Moat was in there. We're going for the long haul with Dromar, right? You are not kidding. And I could trigger this pretty reliably and pretty easily. And so, those are the like that that control style deck doesn't seem to exist yet. And I think as people begin to understand the power of the card or maybe move back into Mystic Remora and Ristic Study to fight back against Smothering Tithe and Dockside Extortionist, yeah. we could see the uptick here because Control has to figure out a way to play. Yeah. And to win with Control, you have to have your answers. And the best way to do that is to set this card up with Mystic Remora with Rhystic Study shit with Brainstorm on an Isochron Scepter it doesn't matter you gotta be able to set this up so that every time thereafter when you zero Jace the Mind Sculptor you detutor 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 and put two cards back that that are irrelevant yeah spin top to put the third card on top because it's better than the two you just put back like That's what you need to be doing. That's the power of this card. And eventually in time, that's where I see this going inside the format. I don't think it'll take somebody like Tomer to pick this up or Krim from uh, Commander Clash. I don't think it'll take game nights. I think it'll just happen naturally over time as people start evolving their lists. Yeah. But I have faith in this card in the long term.
1: Yeah, I I think, again, this is really solid. It's also a card that I think... It goes really well with with a card that I think probably should be banned in EDH, uh, and that is Consecrated Sphinx. Yes. And the reason I think that's relevant is because Consecrated Sphinx, to me, is a gateway drug. It's a gateway card to when you do get into CEDH. Like I was saying, it hits that whole range of casual landing into competitive mm-hmm. and I think it's just incredibly good to have that
0: Consecrated Sphinx is also in that Dromar list like of course yeah cause why not why yeah, wouldn't I do actually. that Yeah, why wouldn't I figure out a way to ensure that I could emblem my Venser and then flicker your entire board out of the game Right. It's it was CEDH yeah. before CEDH was CEDH
1: basically it's great
0: yeah. it is Dromar is a, is a hoot so uh, I think that's going to be it for this week right yep we are good to go All right. so for at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon and YouTube I am at Halt I am Reftar on Twitter you are at Thirsty Sizzler we'll see you next week